All right, I want to share a few things with you, and then we'll look at that piece of paper if I have time. Um, a lot of crazy things going on in our country. And um, remember this, not all the wicked people are teaching bad theology. They teach it in a lot of other areas also. Don't just look for the big bad wolf to try to destroy the, the sheep because they're in the churches. There's a lot of them that aren't in churches, and there's a lot of philosophers out there and a lot of politicians and all these government leaders, and there's a lot of people doing everything they can to destroy our form of government, our way of life, and our churches, and everything we believe in what we stand for. And so um, I want to just um, give you a little bit of a, a warning from what the Word of God says, that the way that God's children ought to be, and the, the reason why I believe we need a good Bible college. But anyway, take your Bible and look in the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians. Colossians in chapter 1, and look there in verse 9. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. When we think about college students and what we want to teach them, where we want them to go, how we want them to be, must be based upon what the Word of God says. What does God want for us? And all we're trying to do is bring people to the place where they are what God wants them. So here in Colossians in chapter 1 and in verse 9, he says, For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So we want the college kids to know that we will pray for them. We want you to pray for us. Because did you realize it's so hard and difficult for these college kids? Yeah, but you ought to look at the teachers. It's hard on them too. You realize it's a lot easier when I only got three papers to grade, and then if I have six papers to grade, that doubles my work. But anyway, pray for the leaders, pray for the teachers, and uh, everybody that's involved. And he says, do not cease to pray for you and to desire, get this, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. And you cannot know the will of God unless you know the word of God. So it's the will of God to know the word of God so you can know the will of God. I told them that in Colorado a long time ago. And um, so anyway, the Lord's been good to us, and uh, we thank the Lord. But we want them to be, as it says here, filled with the knowledge of his will. So to know his will, you have to be filled with the knowledge. We want to teach the word of God in such a way they can understand it. And also, look in verse 10. The reason for knowing the will of God is so that you can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. In other words, pleasing the Lord in every area of your life. Isn't that a good reason for studying the Word of God? So you'll know how to please the Lord. And whatever God wants you to do. Look what he says in verse 11. Strengthening with all might. We want these young people to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we want them to come together, encourage one another, pray for one another, strengthening. It's just, it just makes everything work. That's what it's all about. And then he also said in verse 12, giving thanks. We want the kids to learn. I was told, stop calling these kids. They're not kids. They're young adults. They're students. But pray for these kids, these young adults, these students, that they will be what God wants them to be. 
And that verse says to do all of that, the knowledge and the strengthening, so that you can learn how to give. You see, your whole life is learning how to give thanks to the Lord for what he's done for you. So your life should be one big thank you, Lord, for saving me, giving me eternal life, give me a home in heaven, so this is what you want. Now look there in chapter 1 and look in verse 28. Verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus or mature in the Lord. See, it's one thing to be a child of God, but it's a lot of difference in being a man of God or a strong woman of God. And what lies between a child and a man of God is the word of God. And that's why it says in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, that the word of God is given to us that we can, he says, makes you wise unto salvation as a child, make you wise. So from a child to be the man of God, that's the word of God that lies in between. So you've got to have the word of God. You've got to be taught the word of God. So Bible college is simply learning the word of God. Is that against the will of God? That must be the will of God. So everybody has to decide how they want to learn the Word of God. To what degree? How much you want to put into it? How important do you think your life is? How important do you think the will of God is for you? Then that's why you put yourself into the Word of God and you study it and commit yourself. But look what he says in verse 28. That we may present every student mature in Christ Jesus. In verse 29, whereunto the Faculty will labor to try to get this result. Chapter 2, chapter 2, down in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware. Remember, he says up in verse 28, warning. Now we're having the beware, another warning. What you have to watch is while you're studying the Word of God is watching the things that are going to hurt or destroy you. The things that feed the flesh, that feeds the desires of this world. So you want to be strong in the Lord so you feed those God-given responsibilities, that God-given desires to please the Lord in all things. And that's why he says in verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you or seduce you through philosophy, which is talking about the lover of life. Because most people, they love life, but there's those who believe they've got the key to life. We believe that the Word of God has the key to the Christian life. And Christians ought to do the things that the world cannot do and know the things the world cannot know. So he says here, And vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So a person has a choice to make. You either study the Word of God or you study the wisdom of the world. Wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world. It's a choice. But if you study the wisdom of the world, you're going to be like the world. You study the wisdom of God, you're going to be like the Lord. And is there a difference? Yes, there's a difference. It can make a difference in your life. It can turn your life upside down. Because you only get one trip through life, so you might as well find out exactly what is it God wants me to do. You don't get a rerun or an instant replay. It's uh, one trip through. So that's why it's important. Now, I... um got a few of these little quotes that I wanted to give to you. Somebody gave these to me. I think it was Jen. Didn't you send that to me? And I read over because I'm old enough to remember Nikita Khrushchev. When he was the head of Russia, the Soviet Empire. I remember the Cold War. 
And I remember that they wanted to put some missiles down in Cuba. And I remember that they were going to have a showdown. And everybody back in those days was practicing ducking under their chairs in the classroom and in case there was a, a nuclear war, we're supposed to get down and hunker down and people begin to build bomb shelters and such. Anybody remember that? Oh, look at that. You. Look at that. You're telling how old you are. Because we didn't want to die. But we just knew that sooner or later something's going to happen with Russia and America and they were putting a missile bases down there in Cuba. And so Kennedy had to face them down. And um, I remember him taking a shoe in a meeting that he had, and he slammed that table, and he was a bad man. He was a bad man. He says, America, we're going to bury you. And then he also said, we're going we're gonna to take over America without firing a shot. Now, listen to some of the quotes that he made. These are some of the quotes that he said. Now, he was a top-notch communist, and communism is a government by atheist, what it is. And so if you don't believe in a God, you don't believe in a creator. You don't believe in creation. And you can't believe the, the laws because laws requires a, a, a lawgiver. And a design means a designer. And a plan means a planner. So everything was just, um, you know, circumstance. It just happened. Well, communism is a power of the might of the few that can get the might. And it doesn't matter how you get it. As long as you get it and you get in control, then you run and rule the rest. And you take away everybody else's freedoms. Well, look at the first statement. Right underneath his picture. We do not have to invade the United States. We will destroy you from within. So the philosophy of communism is going to infiltrate into America. They managed to get enough humanistic philosophers, humanism taught in our schools, in our universities, and now they run our universities. And they are promoting their philosophy. And it's a philosophy of communism. But it leads us, first of all, into socialism. So you have the Republican form of government, democracy, Socialism and communism. And those forms of government never give anybody freedom. It takes it from you. Now, notice the next statement. You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism outright, but we'll keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you'll finally wake up and find you already have communism. We won't have to fight you. We'll so weaken your economy until you'll fall like overripe fruit into our hands. Do you think Russia is dead and the war is over? It ain't. They've been waging a war ever since. But it's infiltrated into our form of government. Till now we've got people in America that are dead set on destroying this country. Now look at the next statement. The United States will eventually fly the communist red flag. The American people will hoist it themselves. You stop and think, you watch some of the riots and so forth and things, things that they're getting. It's all programmed. It's planned, and they're doing it. They're paid, in many cases, to do some of these things. And they want to burn our flag, pull down our flag. And they also want to destroy our monuments, the Washington Memorial, everything that we've got. 
Want to blow up Mount Rushmore? Now, this is not your good Christians in America that want to do this. There are people that are bent on destroying this country. And they will keep on. And they'll have to be the majority. It's just a handful that will like two bullfrogs in a lake can make it sound like a hundred. The next statement. This is what he says. The press is our chief ideological weapon. The press. Do you see why they want to control the press? The news media. And how close they are and all the things that they say and do. Anyway, I <laughs> sent out a little newsletter the other day, and I just had a little statement in there about uh, Donald Trump. And I says, Donald Trump made a big mistake because he defeated the Democrats and the, um, the lefties and the rhinos. And his big mistake, his sin, his crime was he won the election. And that is his crime. And he cannot get forgiveness for that. There is no forgiveness for that. That's why he is going to be attacked and attacked and attacked. And anything is possible to bring him down. But I believe some of the decisions he's made that I am very much in favor of. But anyway, moving right along. Look at the next statement. I can prophesy that your grandchildren in America will live under socialism. How far away do you think we are from being a socialist country? Do you realize how much socialism we have in America? It is. You think you're free? Stop working and just resting on whatever you have made. And you'll see how free you are. That home that you got, well, it's paid for. It's mine. Don't pay your taxes and see what happens to it. And you'll see whose it is. Your taxes right now are higher than the payments you used to be when you used to get it, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But anyway, we're moving right along. Look at the next statement. He made this statement. Whether you like it or not, history is on our side. We will bury you. You know, the dictators get very strong and powerful in their words and what they're going to do. This is why we've had to maintain our freedom, have a strong military, so we can defend ourselves against those who want to destroy our country. I love our freedom. I love our country. I like being able to preach and say what I want to say without persecution. I remember Ray Stanford used to always say, I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will fight to death your right to say it. Anybody remember him saying that? Said it all the time. Well, that's what he was talking about. Because I can't take away your freedom without taking away my freedom. And there's people in America right now that don't get that. Anyway, the next statement. He says, freedom in capitalist countries exists only for those who possess money and who consequently hold power. And so some people want to keep on until they have a monopoly. They own it all. They got all the people under their control, and they make all the money, and there's people who are getting poor and poor and poor because they keep sucking it out. That's why we're not supposed to have monopolies in America. But that's why you see these companies gathering up and going together, and bigger companies and so forth, because they can control everything. Anyway, the next statement, democracy is a government where you can say what you think, even if you don't think. <laughs> Politicians are the same all over. They promise to build a bridge where there is no river. I like the statement, but I didn't like the statement. The next statement, I once said, we will bury you, and I got into trouble with it. Of course, we will not bury you with a shovel. Your own working class will bury you. In other words, the people in America will turn on America. People in America will turn on America. 
And we, once they start getting freebies from the government, you can't stop taking it. You got to, can't take it back because they want it and they want more and they want more until the place comes where you've got it. You, see, it's good when you have a pyramid. All these people feed into it. And so there's only a few people getting it. That's the way it's supposed to be with Social Security. Remember that little thing that you got had not for identification purposes when you got it 40, 50 years ago? Mine was 60 years ago. And so you got this pyramid. But see, little by little, only a few people get in. That's a good idea. We only have to give a little bit. But now this pyramid is like this. And now you only got a few people feeding all these people. And what's going to happen to it? It's got to come down. It cannot sustain itself. Socialism cannot sustain itself because it only can last until you are out of money. When they've, they've taken all of your money, now what are they going to do? This is why it's destroying some of the unions, the people who had pensions. And governments are now, and cities are going bankrupt because they can't pay those big payments that they obligated themselves for because now there's people on the bottom and not enough of them. They have murdered over 50, 60 million people that would have been in the workforce. You sow a win, you reap a whirlwind. And this is by where we're headed. Look at down at the bottom. This will knock your socks off. Historians are dangerous and capable of turning everything upside down. They have to be watched. Historians. Do we have people right now trying to rewrite our history? You listen to the news because they don't like the way it was. They don't like what it represents or change everything. The survivors of a nuclear war would envy the dead. If you survived, you'd envy the dead. You can take that for it. Fourth, this is what he said. He said, I worked at a factory owned by Germans at coal pits owned by Frenchmen, at a chemical plant owned by Belgium. There, I discovered something about capitalists. They're all alike, whatever the nationality. All they wanted from me was the most work for the least money that kept me alive, so I became a communist. I disagree with his philosophy. It's an opportunity for somebody also to learn and to grow and to do and build whatever he wants to, because that is the purpose of capitalism, you are able to build whatever you want to build. If there's no government strength that keeps you from doing something, this is why you want the freedom to protect your family, the freedom to provide for your family, the freedom to worship as you please. You want the freedom and you want a government that's strong enough to protect the things that you have the right to fulfill. You see, God is the one who gave us rights. And then the responsibility is to fulfill those rights. So you want the right of freedom to fulfill your God-given responsibilities. Look at the next statement. Now, now some of it I'll skip. Comrades, we must abolish the cult of the individual decisively once and for all. In other words, the individual is not important. It's how you are collectively. In other words, you use all the people as a mass to control, to get your will of the small elite who can control the rest. That's why you don't want the people to be too educated. You can control ignorant people, but people who can reason and think and relate and record, those are different kinds of people. And they want their freedom, and they're willing to fight for their freedom and die for their freedom. And so this is why that is important. Look at the next statement. Down at the bottom says, any fool can start a war. And once he's done so, even the wisest of men are helpless to stop it. Have you ever tried to figure out what would happen 
if we really tried to take out North Korea and we can't do it all at one time and they launch a bunch of little nukies right over into Seoul and several millions of people are killed, they've almost got us blackmailed because that's why we can't do what we really want to do and we should have done maybe long ago. Stop. But now you get one country that'll challenge you. Next thing you know, another country will get bold enough like Iran will challenge. Russia is getting very bold. It's amazing that we're living so close to the end times that I believe that what God says is going to happen during the tribulation period. This is one of the most exciting periods of time in all the world to live. But this is why we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. This is why we need to know the word of God, study the word of God, and I believe that God will bless us. Uh, this morning I gave out a couple little uh, dillies on uh, PowerPoint, but also uh, one little statement that I made was, remember, marriage is simple. Your wife does whatever she wants, and you do whatever she wants. And that's so simple, and you got everything solved. But life isn't that simple. There's a lot of complicated things we have to go through in life. And there's a man by the name of Dr. Thomas Sowell, an American intellectual giant, and he made a few statements over the years, and, um, but he made a lot of wise statements. And when we study the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, a collected saying by Solomon that are very good, very wise. And if you want to be wise, study the book of Proverbs. And if you want to learn how to warm your soul, study the book of uh, the, the Psalms. But if you want to get some action done, then study the book of Acts. That's what they're for. But he says the first lesson of economics is scarcity. There is never enough of anything to satisfy all those who want it. The first lesson of politics is to disregard the first lesson of economics. Try to figure out how you can just satisfy, and people are never satisfied. So you always got to keep giving more and more and more. But you can't give them anything unless you take it from them first. He made another good statement. People who enjoy meetings should not be in charge of anything. I'll read that again. People who enjoy meetings should not be in charge of anything. Because they will schedule meetings just to have a meeting about having another meeting to have a meeting. I like to just get some things done. We have meetings, but we don't enjoy having all the meetings. He says, the next time some academics tell you how important diversity is, ask how many conservatives there are in their sociology department. You hear them talk about free speech, free speech, but not you over there. What? You're a Christian. We don't agree with your philosophy. Therefore, everybody else ought to be able to give their opinion except you, not you. Anybody else, but not you. Because theirs is censorship. That's why they don't want, and they've even had some people that will be canned as far as being able to speak on certain college universities uh, because they've been invited, but they're uninvited. Or they're going to have riots because they don't want to hear what they have to say. So they're little by little destroying our country under the guise of free speech. But they won't let you speak. Too much of what is called education is little more than expensive isolation from reality. Do you realize that how many people are going to colleges today and universities and learning absolutely nothing? They know nothing about life. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they came from, and they don't know where they're going. The one thing about studying the Word of God is you know that there is a God and that God has revealed himself through the Scriptures. 
So we know who we are. We know where we came from. We know what we're doing. We know where we're going. We've got the answers. But don't expect worldly educators and humanist philosophers to be able to teach and to educate God's children. He says, the welfare state is the oldest con game in the world. First, you take people's money away quietly. And then you give some of it back to them flamboyantly. Oh, look what I got. Yeah, but you realize what you gave to get that? Remember, government can't give you anything until it takes it from you first. And it always gives you less back than what it took. He said, it's hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. This is what we have today. We've got bureaucrats, never voted on, running governments, and a lot of agencies. Nobody voted on them, but they're there, and they run it, and there's no accountability. And they make poor decisions and pay no price for being wrong. Have you seen anything lately about people making wrong decisions and doing all kind of wicked things and they get away with murder? They pay no price for their bad decisions. You see, we used to have a thing used to call crime does not pay. It does now, but it used not. Crime doesn't pay. Yes. And so a lot of people are paying a great price. He said, I have never understood why is greed to want to keep the money you've earned, but not greed to want to take somebody else's money. What is government trying to do all the time? Buy votes. Well, they can't buy votes unless they have money. So they tax you to get more money so they can buy more votes. But see, if you don't give it, you're greedy. But because I want to give it to these people because I want their vote, that's not greedy. You see a double standard? It's exactly what it is, but people can't catch that. They don't see it. 